Hello there, and welcome to the Rhode Island Youth Mental Health Webinar Series. This week's topic, Youth Empowerment, presented by Lisa Hoopis and Hannah Woodhouse. Remember, your feedback is important to us. Please fill out the survey in the description down below for your chance to win a $100 gift card. Thank you. Welcome everyone, and thank you for attending the eighth offering in our fall webinar series, Youth Empowerment with Lisa Hoopis and Hannah Woodhouse from Sojourner House. I'm Katie Hamill, a Rhode Island Student Assistance Services Student Assistance Counselor and the Project Manager for this webinar series. This series is brought to you by RISAS with funding from the Rhode Island Department of Health and focuses on youth mental health, trauma, and the unique role that parents, educators, and communities play in fostering resilience in youth. Please sign in in the chat box with your name, your affiliation, and role. If you are watching a recorded version located below this video, you will see a description box with links to our website and Facebook page where we will be letting you know when more content like this will be released. In addition, don't forget to complete the post survey. By completing the survey, you will, you will have the ability to receive a certification of completion, CEUs, and be entered into a drawing to win a $100 gift card. Before introducing our presenter, I want to tell you about our next webinar scheduled for November 8th at 6.30 p.m. on the topic of bringing neuroscience to schools, what educators need to know about addiction and the teen brain with Lee Dalphinase. To register for these and our web other webinars, please go to our website, www.risas.org. We are extremely fortunate to bring you Lisa Hoopis and Hannah Woodhouse from Sojourner House. Lisa Hoopis, the Director of Education and Training. Lisa joined Sojourner House in 2019. She has over 20 years experience and has developed and facilitated hundreds of trainings and workshops to a variety of different audiences nationwide. She is a graduate of Rhode Island College, where she is an adjunct faculty for the Health and Physical Education Department and was the former director of the Rick Women's Center. She works closely with school districts and agencies to provide professional and youth development, training, consultation, curriculum development, and assistance setting up peer education and advocacy programs. She is the co-founder and active member of the RIHIV STI Prevention Coalition, an active member of the Rhode Island Cross-Campus Collaborative to Prevent Sexual Assault on Campus. She is also a certified curriculum developer and trainer for the Rhode Island Police Academy and is co-chair of the Rhode Island Crime Victim Service Providers and co-chair of the Providence Health and Wellness Healthy Relationship Subcommittee. She specializes in inclusion, comprehensive sexuality education, and interpersonal violence prevention. Hannah Woodhouse, Education Coordinator. Hannah Woodhouse is an educator with years of experience in the field of violence prevention, social justice, sexual health, and gender equity. Though she works with people of all ages, she's especially passionate about talking about these issues with young people and empowering the next generation of leaders through conversation, collaboration, peer education, and advocacy. She hopes to build empathy and compassion through education. And Sojourner House offers the perfect platform to achieve this goal. So without further ado, I will turn this over to Lisa and Hannah. Thank you so much, Katie. So welcome, 
Welcome, everybody. We're super excited that you're able to join us this afternoon. So uh, today we're going to be talking a little bit about youth empowerment. We'll define it. We'll talk a, a little bit about how you see it show up in your space and some tips for ways that you can empower the youth that you work with. We also do want to invite you to participate and ask questions throughout the webinar today. Certainly, you can use the chat box. You can also use raise hand feature and unmute. We do want to remind you that this is being recorded, but Lisa and I are open to any and all questions you may have during our session. So we wanted to start today kind of defining or figuring out a collaborative definition of empowerment. So the first thing that we're going to do together is a Mentimeter. So if you want to use a separate browser window or you can use a phone, a tablet, something else nearby and type in www.menti.com and enter this code here, or you can use the QR code. For those of you that are unfamiliar with Mentimeter, essentially once you enter this information, it'll pop up with a question that you can answer, and we will together develop a word cloud, which I will pull up. So the question here we have is, what words come to mind when you hear the term empowerment? So I have confidence, courage, choices, involved, united, strength, Leadership, wonderful, teamwork. And for those of you, you've probably done a word cloud before, but those of you who haven't, the more often a term is used, the bigger it is. So it looks like a lot of people are saying strength, right? Kind of in the center there. Brave, right? Encouragement, support, outspoken, vocal. Awesome. So we're definitely going to talk about a couple of these terms. We're going to lump them together in our definition of empowerment. And while we specifically are focusing on youth, of course, we know empowerment covers people of all ages, right? Our hope is to empower the you know community as a whole as well. A couple more things are coming up here before we move forward. Responsiveness, sovereignty, thoughtful, fortify, awesome, voice, using a voice, responsive. Awesome. Thank you for everyone who added into the Mentimeter here. Feel free to keep adding terms if you'd like to, and we can certainly revisit it. I love doing Mentimeters and, and these kinds of word clubs, especially if you're doing it with young people, because then you can take it and you can share it. We've made, um, we've seen them made into t-shirts or um, we actually use them in some of our grants when we're reporting on it. So we can actually show the, the words right from the mouth, which is really cool. Yeah, and sort of our collaborative definition here, right? So when we think about empowerment, I think all the things you mentioned, right? Courageousness, responsiveness, voice. I think we have this, you know, little amplifier here. Broadly defined as multidimensional, right? Thinking about all the people that might be involved in youth empowerment, a social process. A lot of the times we focus on collaboration. How can we as a group, as a school, as a community, socially get together and figure out the best way to empower our youth? helping people gain control over their own lives, right? So when we think about youth in particular, as they're beginning to grow and, and socially develop in our community and in our world, how can we help them take that next step, gain control over their lives and make smart decisions for themselves? How can we empower them to use their voice and stand up for what is, what matters to them? So the next thing that we wanted to do is we wanted to kind of ground our conversation and have you think back to a time where you were empowered, either as a youth or as as a young person, or even as you're standing here today. So think of a person that might have inspired you, a program that might have empowered you to do something. 
Uh, maybe it was somebody that said something to you. So we're going to give you just a minute, which 60 seconds can sometimes be a long time, but I just want to give you a minute to, to either close your eyes, think back, um, and just reflect on either a time or a place or a program that you felt empowered and think about some of the, the things that made you feel that way. I'm just going to sit with the silence for a second while you think about that. All right. So hopefully some, some things came up. So we're going to, we're going to talk about some of the things that you have felt, some of the things that you personally do in the work that you work with in, with youth. And we'll give you some tips. So again, we wanted to just kind of ground you and have you think about, and if anybody wants to share in the chat, any of those either things that came up, feelings that came up, if it was a certain person. I know for me in my career, it's been really helpful to have mentors and mentors have really inspired me. I was joking with a friend um, who empowered me to you know, go back to school and get my doctorate because she changed her pronouns. And so when we do trainings like this, um, a lot of times we'll put our pronouns next to our name. And so in her pronoun, it said, she, her doctor. And I literally like signed up for, for classes that following week. I've been putting it off for a lot of years. And I, I called her and I was like, you know what? I got to tell you, like you put some pronouns next to your name. And I, it just really empowered me because I want the same pronouns after my name. That's just like one example. But, um, you know, I'm curious to think about or hear some, some, some examples of times that you felt empowered. Like I said, maybe type some some words or some phrases or some things in the chat. And as we're going through and as we're talking, feel free to browse some of the different things that people have wrote of times that they felt empowered. And that could be a, 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 to do something, to get involved in a program, whatever you want. So when we think about types of empowerment, you know, let's get a little bit more specific. So here's some different kinds of empowerment that we see. And when we're talking about empowerment, this can look different depending on the programs that we're doing, depending on the youth that we're working with. So when we look at social kinds of empowering, this is really looking at and talking to youth about how they operate within their social structures. The students that you work with may be operating in systems of oppression, and they may need to have conversations about their identity, about where they come from, about the circumstances that they're in. Um, also, like looking at the environments that, that they're in. So not just thinking about a youth as a student that's sitting in your program or as a youth that's sitting in the chair in front of you, but really thinking about how that youth is interacting with the school, with their friends, with their community, with the whole picture. And, and, you know, really looking at how do we strengthen some of those social relationships? How do we um, encourage this person to be an active member um, and an active citizen in their community and really take on and, and address some of those social, um, social situations and social issues? Same thing with um, educational when we're looking at the educational um, systems. So again, we're, we're thinking about the person and how in, in their relationship to that, how can we empower them within their educational system so that we're increasing confidence. They want to come to school. They want to be there. They want to stay after school for the after school programs y'all are offering. Because I know y'all are offering really great after school programs. So how can we make it so that the kids are actually showing up for that? And a lot of it has to do with the way that they're functioning in the school, right? If we can make the school a safe, supportive environment where they're excited, they're learning, they're feeling confident, their esteem is good, you know, they're they're feeling like they're they're getting something out of it, then then we're gonna see it affect other areas of their life too. So when we think about the educational system, that's a really important one because our youth are in that system for a lot of hours of the day. And I can tell you I've been to 
lots of different schools across the state and various different school districts. And, and there really is a difference when you go from school district to school district and sometimes even within the district from school to school about the, the way that we're teaching youth, the attitudes that we have about youth, the programs that we offer youth. And, you know, a lot of that directly has to do with and ties into the opportunities about educational um, situations that they have. And also, like I said, just their overall feelings about going to school and how connected and belonging, that feeling of belonging that we know is so important with young people. Economic. And this could be, you know, if you have young people at home, this might be their allowance that you're getting when we're talking about working with young people, because we like to involve young people at the table whenever we can and bring them into the conversation as often we can, as we can. But we also feel like it's important to pay young people. Um, it's impo important that if we're asking them to do something, that we're valuing their voice and that, you know, we're coming up with some kind of incentive for them, whether it's financial or not. I was just at a school board meeting um, with the district yesterday and we were talking about how the incentive might just be prom tickets or might be, you know, tickets to go to a, a sporting game. So it doesn't always have to be financial, but definitely about, you know, finding the value. And, you know, the, the thing with um, giving young people money or giving young people, you know, not collaboration, I can't think of the word that I'm trying to think of, but um, reciproc reciprocating their work, right? Paying them for the work that they are doing is not only is it leading to their own self-sufficient, like, right? Like their ideas that if I need to get something, I have to work for that. It also leads to their own independence and also leads them to uh, be able to set goals for things that they might want, right? So, you know, setting those kinds of things up and have, giving them opportunities to make money, to earn money, and also to see that you know they can set goals and they can meet them all of those things are really awesome when we think about the ways that we can empower uh, young people and these are just some ideas so as i'm going i know i was asking you to think about times that you know you had a mentor or somebody empowered you as we're talking about these different kinds or types of empowerment please feel free to write examples you know i'm giving you examples but i know that there's you know, 15 other people in this um, webinar that are also have lots of ideas and, and also have seen some of these in action. So please feel free to, to share that as well. Political is one that is really important. Again, it, when we think about the community and their relationship to work, and I saw, you know, young people really come together, even in a pandemic, when we were completely separated around things like police brutality, around race, around gun violence, you know, the, the participation in the, in these movements, the rallying, the coming together, the understanding of you know, how these laws and how these policies and these things affect young people. And again, you know, giving them the education and the opportunities to raise their voice, to be involved in these things so that, you know, these things aren't foreign to them. They're not happening outside. They're not, they're not, not sitting at the table. Um, but how can we involve them and how can we bring them to the state house, bring them to the places where they're making policies and laws and have them, you know, talk about the impact that it is on young people and on youth. So when, you know, we're going through presidential elections and when we're going through, you know, all, all of these things that we're seeing on the news and, and hearing about in the, in the paper, you know, how can we bring these kinds of conversations to young people and ask them, how does it affect them? You know, how do, how do these conversations, why do they matter to them? And, and really, again, it's not just educating, but it's also talking about making them a part of the systems of the communities.
And then finally, you know, recognizing the person's self-worth and, and giving them power to take control over one's life and one's future. So when we talk about empowerment, we're not making decisions for them. We're not telling you what to do. We're not, you know, doing it for them, but we're helping them come up with the options and come up with, you know, what they want to do for themselves. So, you know, it, it might be giving them resources. It might be supporting them. It might be giving them tools, but it's really, you know, allowing that person to realize for themselves that they can do it and that they have control and that they can make a difference. And that even though they might only be one person, that that one person person truly can, you know, change and, and make a big difference. So again, these are just some of the types of empowerment that we're going to be talking about. Um, and now we're going to move on to where we see these things actually happen. So we are going to talk a little bit about some different experiences that we all have and in your different settings, whether you're at a school, at a nonprofit, at another social or, or educational setting, we see youth empowerment happen in both small and large scale opportunities every single day. So when we think about youth empowerment, it's built on the fact that young people are capable of doing amazing things. I mean, I've built my career around youth empowerment, helping to navigate systems, um, helping students to, you know, figure out their worth, like Lisa said, figuring out what they're interested in. And we're going to talk about all those little tips. But as adult allies, I think the best way to illustrate it is we are the GPS and they are the drivers, right? So we're helping navigate their different parts of their lives, but not telling them necessarily what to do. And that's kind of at the core of youth empowerment. So again, using the chat box, or if you want to unmute, if you're feeling empowered to do that, we just want to hear from your perspective. Why do you think youth empowerment is important or how is it valuable to our community? So feel free to use the chat or if you'd like to unmute, you can do so as well. Yeah, and while we're while you're chatting, you know, just we're acknowledging that, you know, for some of you, this youth development model, this this construct, this idea might be very different from what you have grown up or what you have, you know, been taught. So, you know, in the 90s, it was this idea that, you know, juveniles needed to be fixed, right? And we had to create these programs to prevent them from doing things. So it's very prevention based. And it was all about, you know, keeping young people safe and and you know, preventing them from doing these things. And what we're offering is something a little bit different than just prevention and just, you know, keeping kids safe, but instead really talking about how they can be the drivers, how they can have control. And it's not, you know, being led by adults, but instead flipping that, flipping that and having it led by youth, which is, I just want to acknowledge a different way of, of looking at it. And this can even happen in the classroom. Like I know like teachers are usually usually used to like standing in the front of the classroom, but in this model, it might look more like the youth are standing in front of the classroom and you're just sitting in the back of the room taking notes or again helping, supporting, you know, that kind of stuff. So just want to acknowledge that for some people this is a different way of looking at it. Hi Astrid. You hey, wanna hey, chat? Good morning. Well, yeah, you know, okay. Well, aside from all the obvious answers, is we need them as resources, right? The whole collective, humanity needs everyone. No one should be excluded with their great ideas. I mean, even saying young people can do amazing things, it's almost, it's almost patronizing in a way, because, you know, if we said that about an adult, adults can do amazing things. It would be a little, you know, so there, there's that. But the other, so all the obvious answers, but for me, what's resonating is that so much of our own healing personally as adults, having lived through childhood in a world built by and for adults' benefits, I think that by assisting and emboldening you, I even hesitate to use the word empower um, because 
they already have power. What we get to do is embolden them to use it, to stand with it, to speak it, right, to express it in however they do it. For me also is, I would imagine there's a great deal of healing of our own young people's hurts, the times we were not listened to, the times that our ideas were laughed at or mocked or never even asked about. Um, so it's, it's kind of like we both, we, we need youth because they're part of our, the, the humanity and the healing that we can have happen so that we then they can move away from ageism um, that's unconscious. So uh, I, I love working with youth. I'm, I'm a, <laughs> I prefer youth sometimes to my peer adults. So I guess. Yes, I'll snap to that. I will yeah. definitely snap to that. Um, yeah, and you brought up some really great points. I mean, there is privilege just in saying I'm empowering youth, right? It's this idea of I as the adult am giving power to youth, right? Again, so thinking about it and, and flipping it and really, like you said, you know, youth already have the power and how can we help them and and make them comfortable in a space that you're right, was not created for them, right? School, when you think about this, the construct of school, um, it was not created for that at all right it was created to actually respond to a war that's a whole nother thing right we wanted to teach them how to read uh to be able to communicate and, and type and and do math but we don't necessarily do a great job of teaching them the life skills and honestly you know in the 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 bio you heard that i do a lot of sex education you know honestly a lot of times we're like shielding them and we're protecting them and we're not giving them the credit that a lot of this information they already know and um and so yeah babying them and, and not and shielding them from this is not really helpful but yes thank you for everything that you just contributed and um and if anybody else wants to add you know why you think you is is important and why you think you know raising their voices and in those kinds of spaces um is important feel free to continue to in the chat. I do see one. I like what Kathy said here. It says youth are the experts in what they need. Involvement in the community could be an opportunity for them to spread their wings. Yeah, it always interests me when people work with youth, but there's not youth at the table when they're planning things for youth, but yet there's no youth at the board meetings or there's no youth that involves even, you know, even I'm involved with a lot of health and wellness committees, you know, like, why aren't we asking youth to sit at those health and wellness committees? They're the ones eating the school lunches. They're the ones that are in this health classes. They're the ones that can give the best feedback, but yet they're the ones that aren't, aren't necessarily always invited to the table. And I'll tell you, when you invite youth, especially to those kinds of situations where they're now educating their principals and their leadership, that is such a great experience for everybody. And we need more of that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm brought to the thought of if we were, and when we will, I think we're getting there. You know, I don't want to project into some unknown future, but obviously this is part of the work that we adults need to be doing, is working on our own unconscious ageism. Um, and it's an interesting situation because each one of us lived as a child in the adult world, so each of us have had experiences personally. We don't have to project or wonder what it's like to live under ageism. But what if we were to treat, if we look at equity, access, and diversity in our groups, and our whatever our respective groups are, is that we include under diversity a youth component, and that sometimes it might mean that we have to change the way that we do our meetings, including the time and the place, so that we can have more people of diverse backgrounds, including youth, attend those meetings. So it might mean that, just like if we wanted to address the needs of people who uh, perhaps need a, uh, an interpreter, or perhaps having accessible um, places to go where it's near public uh, transportation. They would have to think about creating meetings 
in a way that is accessible to youth in every way and treat them in the same way we would, we would any other cultural group that we want to have around the table. Absolutely. Astrid, we're going to like have to throw your bio up there because you're right up there rocking and, and using some of the examples that we're going to talk about later. So this is perfect because that's those are exactly some of the things that, that are, are going to get youth at the, the table. You're not going to get them there if you're starting your program right after school because they need time to decompress. They need time to like have that separation, have that break, have that snack, having snacks and, and those kinds of things and like knowing what you want. And absolutely all of those things are great. And so we're actually going to um, do a little bit more of this. We're going to dive in a little bit deeper and I want, we're going to break you up into breakout rooms. Um, and I want you to talk about like, what does empowerment look like at your setting? So if you're working at a place that, you know, works with youth, you know, are you having them come to the table? Do you have a kind of peer education program? Um, what does that look like? Who is making decisions for the youth? So have, the, again, have this conversation. Um, if you're not working currently with youth, you can use examples of where you have worked with youth in the past. You can also use examples of when you were a youth and you were engaging in some of these systems. Um, and so, you know, if you were a youth, you, most of you, I, I assume, went to school. Um, some of you may have also engaged in other kinds of um, sports teams where there's a, a coach and a youth dynamic, right? And or, or other kinds of mentorship relationships. Um, so again, that's where I want you to think back to those earlier memories that I had you think about a time where you were you were empowered. Um, so again, you know, you can bring some of that to this conversation. But I want you to hear about some different examples of what empowering youth looks like in your setting. And then we're gonna come back and share. So we're not gonna share everything that was in the breakout rooms. That's why we're doing breakout rooms. But if we could have one person just kind of report back on some some maybe key things that you, you pulled out from those groups, um, and that would be great. And you don't have to like say, you know, so-and-so said it, um, but just, you know, in my breakout room, I heard this thing that I really liked or that really resonated with me or something that you wanna bring back to the larger group to discuss. All right. Now I think we got everybody back. So welcome back, everybody. So I hope that everybody had great conversations in their group about the ways that you empower young people. I was looking at the chat and noticing that there's lots of counselors and social workers that are here today. So y'all may be um, empowering folks more on a one on one basis as opposed to a larger group. So I'm curious to hear from you all to see what your groups were talking about. So we'll start with group one. There were three groups. And just tell us, like I said, maybe a couple of things about what your group talked about and things that you want to share in the larger group. I was in group one. I'm happy to share a little bit. We, I'm coming from a counseling perspective. So um, I work in, or I have experience in a hospital environment. And so a lot of the teenagers who are there are mandated and that's disempowering. So trying to give them as much choice as we can within the program to participate, not participate, um, come up with maybe adjustments so that they're more comfortable participating um, is something that we do to empower. And then my other group mates were in school settings if they want to share about what they're doing. Um, I was in group one. I will, I will share quickly. Um, I'm a student assistance counselor. And um, what we talked about a little bit in, the, in our group in the school settings is kind of the, the crises we're seeing pop up a lot uh, more often this year compared to, to past years since, you know, everybody's in person now in the school setting. Um, so we have that going on and, how it's just kind of important to, you know, with everything so out of our control currently in our society, just trying to empower, you know, youth to find something that's within their control to be able to, you know, kind of control it for, for in good ways, you know, in positive ways and how they can support their community in that in that way by 
you know, empowering them. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's great. And both you and Madeline, I heard th- this idea of like, you know, um, especially when we're working with youth who have been just disempowered, right? And Hannah and I are both coming from uh, an agency where we work with domestic violence victims, right? And, and and when we're working with survivors, you know, they're coming from a place of, um, you know, disempowerment and, and, and somebody else having power and control over all of their decisions. And so the more that we can give that person power and control over their own decisions, you know, that in itself can be empowering. So, you know, I really love that you both kind of identified that, you know, just giving choices and giving options. It's really great. I'm not sure what group Penny was in, but she put in the chat talking about watching youth who have been traumatized, finding their voice and finding the language to talk about what has happened to them. And talking about LGBTQ plus youth, intersex youth who are able to find their voice and identify what they need. Yeah, that's really great. And uh, I know lots of times schools now are having like GSAs or places that um, allow space to have those conversations and also connect with other people who share, you know, similar, similar desires to either have advocacy or um, opportunities for those conversations to happen. So that's really great. So thank you again for participating. So when we think about youth empowerment, emboldenment, whatever phrase or language you'd like to use. I chose this quote kind of to help us wrap into what Lisa and I will talk about some tips and things that we've seen in our work that hopefully you can translate to the setting that you're in. So the quote here, it says, we cannot always build the future for our youth, but we can build our youth for the future. So thinking about ways that we can help them navigate the world and ways that we can be allies um, to them and the important things that they do. And this is all about skill building, right? So like, what are the skills that young people need to be able to go out and advocate, to be able to go out and have the conversations with adults or, um, you know, to, to know where to go for resources. So a lot of that is, is again, just building up youth so that they're able to, uh, to do that. And then when we think about tips for empowering youth, um, you know, there are different things that we can, we can do to help them. So, um, you know, helping them explore, uh, their interests and potential. So asking them what they might be interested in, asking them, you know, what are they currently doing at, after school? What would they like to be doing after school? Um, even, you know, asking them, and I know the, the crazy question that adults always like to ask young people is like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I always laugh because I say most of my adult friends still don't know what they want to be when they grow up. That's why, you know, people take five, six, seven, eight years in college because they still don't know or they go back for multiple degrees. So we can't expect that young people are going to know what they want to be when they grow up when they're very young. Sure, there are some that absolutely know and that's great. And that's it. It's sometimes easier to support those folks. Um, but we want to pay even more attention to the folks that have no idea, right? And give them different opportunities. Um, I always love when I see schools doing, you know, these mentorships or these um, uh, opportunities for them to do community service and for them to, to work in the community so that they can get to know different jobs, different positions, and, and see the way that real life works. But, you know, helping them and exploring them. I always like to remind, you know, folks that, you know, hopefully people find passion in what they're doing, right? So how do you know what you're passionate about, right? You want to give them different opportunities to do different things and really try to match, you know, their interests to the opportunities that you have. So when, you know, mentors come into, or I'm sorry, interns come into Sedrana House, one of the first things that we do is we sit down and we say, what are you interested in? Like, what are you passionate about? Why are you here? Um, and really getting it from them so that, you know, we're, we're matching it with, with something that's meaningful to them. Speaking honestly to youth, not again, 
thinking that they can't handle certain information. So, you know, youth want honest answers. And if you don't give it to them, they are going to find it from someplace else. A lot of times that ends up being the internet and the internet is not always where we want to youth to find the answers to the questions. Um, and so, you know, thanking them for coming to us, giving them uh, resources and being honest with them. If you're not sure of the answer, if you're not sure of how to to respond to an answer, you know, telling them that and saying, you know, let's find it out together. Um, you know, maybe you don't know, maybe you, you bring somebody else into the conversation that might know better um, and asking young people, you know, what have they heard about it? What do they think it is? A lot of times they may even have the answers that they're looking for you to. So um, again, not always seeing it as like the adult giving the information, but instead, um, you know, speaking honestly with youth about what they know, what they think, how they feel um, and what they're looking for. Allowing them to practice autonomy. And this could look different for depending on what you're doing, um, but this is not doing things for youth. But instead, again, what do you need to be able to do this? So, you know, uh, if, when I used to work in a health center, we used to practice with youth about making their own health appointments because mom and dad always made their health appointments. So they had no idea how to pick up a phone call and make an appointment for themselves. And so when we talk to them about, you know, that skill of, you know, making an appointment or following through on something, um, you know, we want them to be able to do that for themselves, but we may have to, you know, walk through what a phone call might look like. You know, what are you going to say when they ask you, you know, uh, even a question like, what is your sex? Um, it can throw off a young person because, you know, the word sex, they start thinking about something totally different, right? Um, so, you know, those questions that they're going to have to ask about, you know, whatever on the, on the, um, when they get, when they get the receptionist on the phone. So again, allowing them to, to ask you questions and to practice with you, but ultimately allowing them to do it for themselves. Um, and then my favorite part of working with young people is always, how do we raise them up? Like, how do we give this young person a platform? How do we give them a voice? How do we give them resources so that they can share the information with other people? And so, you know, this looks very different depending on the, the youth we're working with. I know at Sojourner House in the pandemic, you know, some of this was working with youth to create TikToks and working with youth to create videos and content that were for youth, by youth, right? So again, it was giving them the power so that they weren't hearing from adults, but instead they were hearing from their own peers. It means, you know, giving them opportunities to sit at those tables, you know, inviting them to, you know, big conversations, to be a part of, you know, leadership conversations. Um, you know, if they can see that they can be a leader, then it, it opens that, that potential or that possibility for them. Um, I was talking to a young person yesterday about inviting them to a school department meeting and they, they were like, I could go to a school department meeting. Like, I didn't even know that that was an option. I would love to tell the, the superintendent about what it's like to go through the hallways um, because this person has been bullied a lot and they, you know, they feel like they went to their guidance counselor, they went to their school, school's not listening. And so we were like, let's bring you to a table and you're going to now talk about your experience and, and let's give you a platform where people are now going to listen to you. Um, and so, you know, what that looks like is going to be different for everybody. Um, but you all work with youth and you all have youth that have these experiences. And so, you know, what better way to hear from the experiences of young people than to hear directly from the young people? So Astrid, to your point, you know, who created the systems of school and education? It wasn't young people, right? But if young people were to create it, what would it look like and how different would it be? Um, I remember working in a school in Massachusetts when you walked in, it was just this big, gigantic room. And it was, it almost looked like raised stairways and the kids could just like dump their bags down. They could 
They can sit on the top of the stairs if they wanted to. They could lay on the stairs. There were pillows. They could do whatever they wanted to for like the half hour before school started. And they did. They showed up for school early and they had conversations and they met about projects and they did like all these really awesome things because they had the opportunity to do it. Right. So that's what we need to do is just flip it and ask you, you know, what do you need? How can we support you? What would make this space more comfortable for you? And, you know, it might mean starting programs late, giving them time to just chill out. You know, we started our session and gave you a few minutes just to listen to music. You know, sometimes youth need that from transitioning from the hallways or transitioning from another crazy class, just to ground themselves, to get them ready, to be able to, you know, get involved in in spaces. Um, we like to give youth space and how they participate. Sometimes, you know, students participate really well on video and interacting. Other times they may participate better you know, if they're, they're off the screen or, you know, in person, what that might look like is, you know, sometimes youth participate really well and, you know, they're the outgoing ones and other students might not be the outgoing ones. Maybe the other student is just a reflective student that is sitting and still, um, you know, getting all that mentorship, but, but you're not seeing them participate in the same way because they're not raising their hand or they're not, you know, um, injecting themselves. So again, kind of working with people to figure out where they're, they're at and what they're interested in. Um, not everybody likes to talk or present or, or, you know, be a leader in the same kind of way. For somebody else, it might be, you know, creating a piece of art that everybody in the school is looking at and that is sharing something that's really important to them. Um, so, you know, thinking about different ways um, and tapping in again, kind of tapping into those interests um, to see where we can empower you and give them the opportunities for, for those yeah, and then some just additional things before we wrap up. And there have been there's been some great things in the chat as well. So I want to thank you all for offering what you're doing at your agency. We're all learning from each other. And I think that's so important. So some additional ways to make a difference, right? So educating ourselves. So whether you're an educator, a counselor, a school leader, um, whatever position you are in, it's important to be open to the concept of learning. Um, I think we all are on the same page as to we learn just as much from our students as they learn from us. I really do believe it's a two-way street. And I think that that helps them to reposition the, into their world, right? Like Lisa's saying, inviting them to the table, inviting them to be involved in decision-making. Lisa and I are about to run a series of focus groups, right, where we're building this youth development program and we want youth to tell us what they need and what they want to get out of the program, right? So involving them in those decisions, making sure their voices are not only heard, but they're appreciated, right? And that we don't just host this meeting with the youth and then throw all their ideas out the window, right? We want to make sure that we're encompassing exactly what they need and, and catering to that. Getting them involved at the beginning of our session today, someone said that getting involved in the community is a great way for students to kind of build these skills, right, and get connected. And that's absolutely true. Rhode Island is small. Uh, there's so many wonderful organizations, really, for any type of, of student who's interested in a particular topic. And we're hoping, we were talking when you were all in the breakout rooms, we're hoping that all of the wonderful opportunities for youth will extend outside of Providence. I know we have a lot in the city of Providence, but maybe not so much in the more rural areas of the state. So we're hoping that can extend. And I know a lot of you that are on the call right now are involved in these types of organizations. So if you have an opportunity that you can get involved in, we'd love if you drop that in the chat as well. There was one earlier, Kathy mentioned the Rhode Island Department Youth Advisory Council, who is welcoming youth 14 to 24. So Kathy, if you maybe want to tell folks a little more about it, 
We have Mentor Mentor Rhode Island on here as well. So yeah, anything else you are interested in? I mean, sorry, anything else you are involved in that other folks on the call might be interested in, feel free to drop those resources as well. Uh, sure. And I'll just say like two things about the Youth Advisory Council, because I am so proud of the work that our young people do within the council um, and the fact that it is open. Anybody who's interested in health can join. There's no like, you know, hoops to jump through. Uh, to join. And so we have a nice, um, we really have a nice diverse council. They can also stay for several years so we get to see the leadership growth within our council and our members are compensated. So we want their opinion on health programs. We pay them for their participation. So um, that builds a lot of um, goodwill. <laughs> we, get, we get great participation. People stay. We joke. We can't get rid of our numbers. So again, this is perfect for someone who's interested in health and might not fit in the normal places um, because we are such a nice welcoming group. Oh, and we're led by um, two youth chair people as well. So I'll put the uh, link in. Well, thank you so much. And I know that we're getting to the end of our session. Um, if you do have any questions, feel free to either come up you or chat, but we wanted to really thank you for coming today and for joining us. Our contact information is here. So if you do want to reach out, find out any more information about our peer education program at Sojourner House, um, or, you know, if there's different things that you want to partner with us around. Um, we do partner with schools and organizations around certain awareness days, specifically looking at Teen Dating Violence Month, which is in February, Sexual Assault Awareness Month, which is in April, um, October's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So there's always these things that are coming up where we'd love to partner with young people and um, youth groups to, to raise awareness with other youth. So feel free to reach out if you're interested in any of those. And again, if anybody has any questions, we're happy to hang out for a few minutes afterwards um, and answer any questions that anybody has. Um, for the rest of you, it is almost two o'clock. Thanks for joining. Katie, I don't know if you have any last minute follow-up things that you want to say. Um, yep, I just have some last minute things. Thank you, Lisa and Hannah. Um, also, thank you for everyone for attending. Remember to complete the survey in order to get your certificate of completion, CEUs, um, and a chance to win a $100 gift card. The link is in the chat. We hope to see you back on November 8th for bringing neuroscience to schools, and that one's at 6.30 at night. So thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this audio lecture and would like to hear more like it in the future, please remember to like, share, and subscribe. To find more information on RISAS, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and on our website, all down in the description below. And remember, please fill out the survey in the description down below for your chance to win a $100 gift card. Thank you.